to Open Mind GFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here with Martin Jet Setter Willis. Yo, Jet Setter. I love it. Yeah, I've used that before, I think. I don't think so. Not no? Jet Setter. I think something similar, but not quite that. I I think this is a new one. Mm-hmm. And the reason and, I... Uh, uh-huh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You no, go. No, you, no, you. no, no, no. No. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> the reason I say it is because, uh, yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell it from how you sound, but you're actually uh, thousands and thousands of miles away, and uh, you're in Russia right now? I was on the dark side of the moon earlier today, Wow! but yes, I'm in Russia. Yeah. I well, that brings back. up something interesting, um, which is that, did you know, China very soon here is going to send a lander... To the moon, um, the dark side of the moon, it'll be the first time any space agency has landed uh, something on the dark side of the moon. They're going to bring, like, ever-ready flashlights with them or something? Probably. Uh, I don't know about ever-ready, but uh, some sort of uh, lighting device, I'm sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder Mm -hmm. why they want to do that. I mean, it must be very cold, first of all. Of course, I mean, that's probably a really dumb thing for me to say, but (laughs) it's... uh, um, but I mean, what do you, you have to look at it with lighting, right? I mean, what else can you do? Um, is, no, it is important. they're doing other types of studies. Oh yeah. Because what they're looking for, because this new space race, there is now a new space race and it's to get to the moon. So we are competing with Russia and China to, um, essentially claim the moon, the race to claim the moon. So like, uh, in tw- the 2030s, China and Russia are committed to putting boots on the ground, and um, that's why our, we have this new refocus to go back to the moon, because we can't let them beat us. Um, and, you know, and we probably will beat them because we've just got really good technology, but that will be an important part is to explore. In fact, we're going to send a probe to look at the dark side of the moon uh, from space. It'll be, you know, something that'll orbit a satellite. Because uh, to know what minerals and stuff are there. They just discovered waters there. Right. Which yeah, is helpful because then we'll yeah, be able to use it. Very, that's very new, right? Wasn't that just recently? Yeah, they, they, they suspected this ice at the polar caps was water. Uh, but they just confirmed that it is water in like the last week. And, um, and of course, that's important because if humans are there, then they can use that water to survive. Uh, and you could use it for other things. You can break it down into the hydrogen and the oxygen for breathable air and then for also uh, propellant um, and for energy. So it's it's a really important thing. Um, so, yeah, so it's really cool. Now, is it what was it? Um, it was something three, not helium three. Um, but- yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah. 
that they're playing on mining because it, it, there's a lot of energy in it. Yeah, it's like plutonium-3, titanium-3. Ah, I can't remember. You know, some of the listeners are probably going to remember. But I know what you mean. It is a uh, mineral. Maybe helium-3? It is helium-3. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that is supposed to contain a lot of energy. So, yeah, that may be something. Um, but there has been some debate I've seen on that, on whether or not you know that's actually important or, or possible. But, uh, yeah, there's a number of things. I mean, space mining is like an industry that is uh, really starting to um, gain momentum. And, and it's kind of a behind-the-scenes thing. So we have a probe, the OSIRIS-X. In fact, it's going to... Uh, that's going to, you know, just got a picture of the, the asteroid that it's going to land on uh, here soon. And uh, all of this exploration is about, you know, mining, which a lot of there are companies who have done ran the numbers. And it was a big story not too long ago that there is money to be made, uh, even though it's extremely expensive to get out there. There's money to be made in space mining. So. All of this is going down, man. We're going to be have people in space, bases on the moon and the Mars. We're going to have mining. All of this is going to happen in the next 20 years. It's it's crazy. You know, the thing the thing about the mining and like to say there I I forget what they were saying, maybe platinum on one of the asteroids and possibly diamonds and things like that. The the one thing that makes the things that we hold as valuable rare is is because they're rare mm-hmm. and um like if you all of a sudden had i mean all the gold that's ever been mined is something like the size of a olympic swimming pool it's not it's not as much as you would think um but all of a sudden if we had that in excess then the values would have to drop because um but it's hard to get to i don't yeah. know you know and that's a hard thing we never know for sure there's so many unknowns but you have a great point if it's if it's more in abundance won't the prices drop so for instance there's supposedly i think a planet they found that it's got tons of diamonds right that's what i heard so yeah, yeah if we go to this planet and all of a sudden you can just grab diamonds off the ground and and you know and, and that's more accessible you're probably right there would be an effect that way but then again you know, I don't know. There'll be more people. Uh, maybe we'll be spread out across, you know, colonies on several planets or a space station. Who knows? It's really interesting. I know. You can theorize all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Who's your guest this uh, this time? In fact, one more space story. Okay. And then we'll get into that. Uh, Bigelow. So this is interesting. So uh, I was just talking about a probe in the moon. In our race to get to the moon, uh, they are taking contracts because part of the mandate for this this moon race, and, and NASA's calling it Moon to Mars, because first we go to the moon, and then that's a stepping stone to Mars. Uh, astronauts like Scott Kelly say that's ridiculous. That just you know takes more time and effort if it's if we go straight to Mars. But because China and Russia are going, there's this race to go to Mars, and so part of that is a space station called the Gateway, a small space station. There are about a dozen companies that are in the running that NASA is working with to create this space station, and Bigelow Aerospace is one of those. So Lockheed Martin just made a lot of news in the last week because they put out their design for this space station, which I think looks lame. It looks tiny, 
and it looks like all of the old stuff we've seen over the the years. So I was not impressed whatsoever. But at least initial ideas that Bigelow has put out, because they can inflate these big habitats, that their uh, whatever their plan will be likely will be much more spacious than this Lockheed plan. So uh, they probably have a really good shot, maybe having being the people to uh, have this. Uh, first space station around the moon that's a great idea you know you can see that they could probably collaborate and you know with uh bigelow with his inflatable units you know it just seems like it would seem like instead of i know how they have to do a government contract um you know it's all about bids and all that but it just seems like um you know bigelow has that great idea with the inflatable mm-hmm. yeah and uh you know it seems like it could kind of work with other ideas as well mm-hmm. so that nope. would be kind of interesting you know the the first space station around the moon is built by an alien hunter essentially <laughs> that's right ufo alien <laughs> hunter okay so you asked me who my guest was it is ryan sprague and you know what's interesting is that this is one of those rare times where i haven't done the interview yet usually by the time we talk like this uh on monday morning before i you know, get the or Monday afternoon, getting the show ready for KGRA for tonight. Um, I usually have interviewed the guest, but I haven't because Ryan's had a lot of stuff going on, so I'm going to interview him later. But we plan on talking about. I want to talk about some topics and try to get out of him what he feels is, uh, you know, important right now uh, to this topic. Um, you know, he's a younger guy and he does a lot of stuff in this field, so I love getting people's perspectives uh, and. And I haven't talked to him in a while, and and no doubt, you know, quite a bit of our conversation or some of our conversation will be about To the Stars and and this Adam Project, because I know he just did a show recently on the Adam Project. So I want to kind of get the pulse of of how he and some of the people he's talked to feel about, you know, all of this. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan's a good guy. He's Now he's out in L.A., the L.A. area. Yeah, 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 he's out in L.A., which I'm happy for him because I love that, you know, the beaches in that area. Um, so, yeah, we can kind of ask how that's going, too. Yeah, better than New York winters, that's for sure. Ooh, chile, chile. <laughs> I couldn't take that. Right. No. <clears throat> well, uh, speaking uh, of which... Oh, too bad you won't be there, but uh, in about three weeks, our good buddy Lee Spiegel, who lives in the New York area, is going to be at the Devil's Tower UFO uh, event, Mm. UFO Rendezvous. I'll be there. David Marler will be there. Mike D'Antonio, Chris O'Brien, Richard Beckwith, my lovely girlfriend Karen actually will be doing a debut, her first talk ever. She's going to be talking about mass UFO cases like abductions and, and where there's several people are alleged. So that's going to mm. be really interesting. Um, so, yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. So if anybody is free and then, you know, it's uh, September 13th through the 15th, uh, it's freaking beautiful out there. And the mountain is amazing, of course. Mm. So that's where, fun. yeah, that's where um, the Close Encounters of the Third Kind ended its uh, the show right there, right? Right. And that's what that was about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, mm-hmm. did, you did something last year on that, right? Yeah, I was there last year uh, as well, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, gorgeous out there. And, uh, yeah, so he's doing – the people who ran it last time are doing it again, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So just 
Google Devil's Tower UFO Rendezvous. If you can't spell rendezvous, I don't blame you because the last <laughs> half of the word is weird. Uh, but if you put yeah. yeah, Voos, if you just put it's almost like a Russian word. But if you just mm. put UFO Devil's Tower, you'll you'll run across it. Yeah. All right. Do you want me to go with uh, the news? UFO news. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So this um, this was on the I you know. And we can talk about this a little bit. Um, you mentioned uh, as we were chit-chatting ahead of the show that it's hard to find, um, you know, things about UFOs right now on Google. Yeah. And I did have quite a time searching. I have no idea what that's about. But yeah. um, you mentioned that you were contacted by someone and they mentioned the same thing, right? Yeah, I it was uh I hadn't really looked for any news this morning. Uh but I I first thing I got to my desk and Jason McClellan had sent me a message. He's like, "Hey man, uh, you know, he's like it looks like Google did something you can't search in the the news function for UFO stories." So I tried it, and sure enough, he's right. It seems like maybe they shut it down a, uh, a few days ago and because if you try to do it you only get, like, for instance, I looked for the last week, and it showed me only, you know, a couple stories from days ago. So, I don't know. What the heck's going on? It's definitely a government thing. It's going to be much more <laughs> difficult to uh, figure out what the heck, you know, get stories if this is the case. Well, I stumbled on this story. This this came on a couple of days ago, and it's I found it on the Fox News uh website so and i wanted to bring it up i think we talked about it before but it's recently back in the news and uh, the title to this is florida candidate says alien abduction does mm. not define her so um i believe we did speak about this and so this is a u.s house candidate bettina rodriguez aguilera um she has it right here it says you know she has a long list of accomplishments to bolster her campaign in florida but she is perhaps best known for claiming that she was abducted by space aliens as a child. Why do they, they always add the word space when it comes to aliens? But I understand. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rodriguez um, Ag Aguilera is a long shot in the race for the Miami area seat, being vacated by retiring Republican Alina Ross uh, Le I can't Letian. Kind of hard word to say there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, last weekend, the Miami Herald endorsed her for the GOP nomination in Tuesday primary out of a field of nine candidates. So in an interview, um, she said that she's grateful for the endorsement and that her tale of kidnapping by aliens did not define her. Now, I, the reason I wanted to bring this story up is because um, I saw a news clip on it and, you know, there was definitely a lot of ridicule. I understand it is... Um, and I do understand the reaction to that. It is it is a hard pill to swallow. Um, you know, a lot of abduction cases are, are hard. For, you know, I'm kind of on the fence about. Um, but it just goes to show that there's still, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of ridicule factor in this, um, you know, in this topic. Um, mm -hmm. There are so many people in the United States alone that are saying, you know, something like this is going on um, with them. Um, and they're very careful not to talk about it in a public setting like this woman did. And obviously, it was definitely a mistake for her career. And um, I'm sure that, um, you know, her career is very limited just because of this one story, no matter of the good things that she may have done. 
Yeah, you know, and I do feel for her. I agree um, in that, you know, there are a lot of, I know, I totally understand how it's fringe and it's strange and how can people say they've been abducted by aliens when, you know, and they can't prove it. Um, how do they know this? And I, I get that. But, um, you know, and maybe it's because I've been exposed to these people much more than the average person. And, you know, not only that, in the arenas that we hang out in at these conferences and stuff, people are more willing to share that they believe this to be the case. Whereas in your office, and I wouldn't doubt this, and I would love to hear what you think, in most offices around Amer- the United States, there are there may there. I wouldn't doubt if there's maybe one or two people who feel the same thing. You just don't know because they're not going to tell you that they think mm-hmm. they may have been abducted. There are so many people that feel this may be the case, and I've met so many professionals and very credible and um, people who have held even positions that are. Uh, very high in in government or in in corporations or otherwise who have been very capable at their jobs who believe that they have had this happen to them so unfortunately she had talked about it in the press way back for and i and it's hard to even say unfortunately because it's kind of nice that she's sharing this because people mm-hmm. can can identify with her uh experiences but now it's going to have this huge negative effect on her, and um, it it's too bad because, of course, the first story that anytime she runs for something that runs is, you know, she was an abductee, and that's going to be kind of an albatross around her neck for, you know, for her entire political career should she continue to stay in politics. That's right, and she also says that she's been in touch with aliens telepathically long after the abduction. And, you know, she stated that. And she says um, she's not, you know, she's she's sticking to her guns. She says, I mm-hmm. when I believe in something, you know, I'm just going to stick with it. So, um, and, you know, that's not unusual either when you hear people talk yeah. about, you know, possible abductions, the telepathy thing. I don't know about keeping in touch with them. I, I haven't really heard people say much about that. But anyway, um, yeah, she's she's got a um, she's got some tough uh, rowing in front of her for sure. You know, interestingly enough, and it's been a while since I've brought it up, so might as well. Um, and we were talking to Jason about Jason earlier, and and uh, it's because of him that I can say this gentleman's name. Uh, but Kirsan Ilyumzanov. Uh, Jason, I know when we first started writing about this guy, I could not say his name and Jason practiced and got it down and then, uh, kept repeating it and then helped me. And then I was able to get the name and now I love saying it because I can, but this gentleman, Kirsten Ilyamzanov was a friend of Putin's. He ran uh, a country. He was president of this country called Kalmykia, which is a Russian province, which, uh, is a Buddhist country, interesting enough, uh, kind of city-state type of place, or or not a city, but a state in uh, Russia, and uh, it's kind of in the Middle East area, but very interesting that it's a Russian state that is Buddhist, Um, but he Hmm. believed he was abducted, he was not afraid to share his experiences, his political opponents used it against him on occasion, but it really did not hurt his career at all, he was not shy about sharing it, yeah, Yeah. Hmm. and... uh, 
he runs the chess federation that's um, right he's a he's a he's a, a chess champion right yes uh mm-hmm. well i don't know if he's much of a chess player himself but, I uh, thought he was. I thought that's one of the things that was in the story. Well, he plays it. Story. I know, mm-hmm. but I, I I couldn't remember if he's been a champion. And the reason I say that is because the actual champion, famous chess player, who I forget his name right now, um, he had been challenging Kirsan for the the head of the Chinese or the the chess federation, and uh, has lost. And he gets upset because Putin has backed his friend. And he feels Putin has, you know, um, uh, rigged things in in Kyrgyzstan's favor. So, uh, yeah, but this mm-hmm. is one politician uh, whose reputation, or at least job, was not affected, or his relationship with Putin uh, was not affected by his uh, coming out about his alleged alien abduction. And, you know, one more thing. i got to say something controversial. You ready for it? Oh, good. Yeah. Let's see if uh, what, what you'll think about this. But for me, as someone who is not a religious person, per se, um, and, and this is because some people may be thinking, oh, she believes she's talking to aliens. What the heck? But to me, you know, I'm not a religious person and religious people who are religious. And, you know, even if you are religious, people who spout their beliefs or talk about their beliefs of of their religion that is separate from yours. There's some pretty, you know, pretty weird stuff. The Mormon church, the the, the guy who runs Mm -hmm. a church just came out and said, God told me, don't call us Mormons anymore and don't call us LDS. You have to call us, you know, the whole thing. And I don't even remember what the whole thing is. I better learn it because I want to respect them and everything. And, you know, some of our good friends are Mormons. um, Ben Hansen, one of my best friends, he's a... uh, So, you know, I want to respect them. But they believe that, you know, they believe God told this guy, you know, they can't be called Mormons anymore. So, I mean, and every religion is like that where they believe, you know, some pretty out there kind of ideas. And when you take a step back and you say, wow, I guess the stuff we talk about at church can seem strange to someone who's not familiar with it. You know, the same goes for abduction people. They're they're talking about some strange stuff, but, you know, if you're going to afford respect to uh, others with their kind of different beliefs, I think it's fair, you know, to respect the beliefs of of everybody. So instead of calling them Mormon... I mean, you can't call them the Church of the what is it, Church of the Latter Day Saints or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think you're supposed that's... to call them Latter Day Saints. Huh. how about that? Yeah, we'll probably hear more and more of that as time goes on. If you know they keep pushing it, but this is fairly new, and uh, yeah, they uh, it, it's uh, yeah. So, well, mm-hmm. yeah. So they <laughs> had this revelation to change it. Uh, uh, Something came down from, wasn't, oh, no, I don't want to get into this because I might be controversial. Yeah. As far as uh, their it, beliefs. Buddy. No, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I just. Yeah, we won't go there, except yeah. for to say that, of course, yeah, it, like you're, the point you're making, though, is you don't even feel comfortable talking about because you don't want to make fun of it, but it's stuff that could sound pretty strange to some people. Mm-hmm. And so everybody has some pretty strange beliefs, and you know it's it's their right to do so. 
So if we're going to respect people with, you know, different religious beliefs, I think we should respect people with, uh, you know, who believe that they've been abducted or have communications with aliens. Because the the hard part is, who knows if who's right, to be honest. I mean, right. maybe the guy, the head of the, the Latter-day Saints did talk to God. Uh, maybe these people are talking to aliens. Maybe... Um, you know, these other people have visions of, of Mary. Maybe they are really having these. I mean, I don't I can't say for sure. So uh, but either way, they're they're not espousing these beliefs to hurt anybody. So. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, the saying goes, whatever floats your boat, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, is their thing like. And you made a very good point just now, as long as they're not hurting anybody. That's the only argument I have. We've got to go. Thank you, Martin, of course, of Podcast UFO, for joining us uh, with the news. You bet. Always a pleasure. And let's go ahead and get to our interview with Ryan Sprague right after this break. Very happy to welcome back to the show, Ryan Sprague. Hello. Alejandro, thanks for having me back, man. It's been a while. You know what is really funny is I could swear that we had talked after you had spoken at the International UFO Congress, but that's not the case. I I looked at the shows and it's been a couple years. It has. I think it was uh, right around when... I first found out I was going to be speaking, ah. and yeah, you had me on just sort of, you know, talk about what I'd be talking about at the event, and mm-hmm. that was great. It was great to sort of tease what I was bringing to the table. You know, I'm I'm one of those people in the field that always says if you if you don't have something to contribute, like what's the point of saying it? So, <laughs> right at that at that time, I had something to say, and I sure as heck said it. So, yeah. and you did a great job. I loved it. Everybody loved the lecture. Um, so, it, as expected, you were an, a great addition to the to the event that year. Well, thank you. And it was also my first time ever doing it. So I have to thank you for that opportunity. Since then, I've, you know, I've done events that you and I met at recently yeah. and, and other ones as well. Oh, so I know. It's all because of you, buddy. So thank you. So we'll <laughs> talk about that in just a second. But uh, with the Congress, one more thing I wanted to mention, which was interesting, too, is I knew you would have great content, but I didn't know if maybe, you know, you get nervous presenting or anything, but if you were nervous, it didn't show at all. You did a great job. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you seemed like a pro, you know, you knew what you're doing up there. You know, I mean, I did go to school for theater, so I think I definitely mm. had that on my side. You know, yeah. I, I've been trained as an actor, public speaking, but I'll tell you this, man, being at your Congress and speaking in front of UFO people, whole different beast. <laughs> yeah, it is. I was more nervous at your event than I ever was in any play I've ever done. Oh, but, how funny. 
but I will say your 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 audience they're so receptive and so respectful and I, the minute I started I knew they were on my side and mm-hmm. it's such a welcoming place to be so no I, I again I was very grateful for the opportunity and uh, it's only grown from there in terms of my own research and uh, getting what I have to contribute to the field out there so yeah yeah memories my friend memories so you brought up that we had seen each other again recently at another place where you had done a talk and that was Pasadena for the alien con which is uh, not necessarily ancient aliens but it is they do have a partnership it's advertised on ancient aliens um and and so it's kind of the ancient aliens event and uh it's awesome that you got to talk but whoa were you blown away by the crowd it was unbelievable man i got there (laughs) I think 8 a.m., you know, when they ask you to come really early, sign in, um, you know, do what you have to do. And I had no idea what to expect. Now, I had I'd heard things about their first event and that it was cool. And, you know, it was it was a different atmosphere than most UFO events. And uh, I didn't know what to really expect. But I met with one of your speakers this past year, Dean Aliotto. We shared a, a table in the vendor room at this event. And the minute I got there and I saw him and saw you, we all sort of looked at each other like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, Acro- I, we looked at each other from across a room with a yeah. sea of people. It was insane. I, I, you know, I guess now looking at it, I understand how. I, I guess no. I guess I would say I didn't understand how popular Ancient Aliens really was. Uh, but then you get there and you see people with Giorgio Sukulos wigs and T-shirts and you know Ancient Aliens everywhere, mm-hmm. and that's when it really hit me how how big the alien, you know, iconic gray head or green head or what have you really is in pop culture and i think that's what this event really was uh in i don't know what do you think what did you make of the entire thing no you're right i mean because we have uh of course one of our t-shirt designs our newer ones uh by the way i love your heineck t-shirt design and i keep meaning to and i'm going to get one they're awesome (laughs) but i was just thinking that that this morning which was funny i was like i need to go buy one of those t-shirts um but uh we had a bunch of alien t-shirts because we have a cool alien design that our our, our artist came up with uh, for this last conference that we love and people love. So we got it on all kinds of different styles. And one good thing with Karen is that she knows what women like. So we had women t-shirts. But we also got an alien hat that we made. And they sold like crazy. You're right. People love that symbol. And yeah. what freaks me out about it is that it's an awesome symbol. It's fun. It represents aliens and everything. But if if there are aliens out there that look like that, how freaking weird is it that yeah. these earthlings are over here just, you know, marketing the heck out of their 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 image? Commercialism at its finest, <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, you know, I mean, speaking of commercialism, that's kind of what I took from this event. Mm-hmm. While while I think, you know, there was a lot of good conversation, some amazing panels. You know, MUFON had a really good panel that I, I happened to catch uh, early on in the event. But th- this wasn't about ufos per se and i think that's sort of the misconception of what alien con is it's right there in the name alien con these people are here because they love aliens Mm -hmm. they it's a place where they can feel that they can be proud and represent that kind of like we do with the ufo topic and you know meet other like-minded people so 
I was meeting so many people who'd never heard of Heineck, who'd never heard mm. of Project Blue Book, none right. of this stuff, which was really interesting. It was like re-teaching to an entirely new class, and that was exciting. You and I, we experienced that on a couple panels as well, mm-hmm. from what I can remember. Yes, I when we were on a panel, I you know, and I, I don't know if you remember this, we, we were con- asking the crowd questions, but the one that shocked me the most was um, when I asked if they had heard of that December story in the New York Times about the UFOs. And there were like two or three hands. And there, right. this was a crowded room. There was probably, what, at least 100, 200, maybe, probably more than that, people oh, in that room. Yeah. And only a few people raised their hands. And it was it was twofold. It was one kind of a letdown. It's like, why aren't you people looking at this stuff? How could you have missed it? But it was also exciting because it's like, all right, cool. We get to tell them about it. Exactly. Yeah. And I, again, it was another moment where you, Dean and I looked at each other like, here we go. <laughs> yeah. What we thought was old news in the UFO community was brand new to people. And yeah. I think that's it's kind of where we lay right now yeah. with the, that whole topic to the stars and the Pentagon program. Like it's we kind of knew about this stuff, but to the mainstream, it's it's a bombshell. Yeah. Uh, Maybe a quick fizzle, you know, as as these things often do, but a bombshell nonetheless. So many people came up to me after learning about that Pentagon program. Like, is this real? What? The government studied UFOs? I'm like, well, yeah, and they actually did it a lot earlier than the secret Pentagon program as well. Right. It's interesting. The perspective in which you look at this thing uh, is vastly different between the mainstream and what we consider the quote-unquote UFO community. Mm -hmm. So find that very fascinating and i don't think any of it's bad personally i mean it's just and you know a lot of people get mad about marketing with ufos and and paying for stuff or whatever but that's what creates an industry and that's what creates interest and that's what gets the word out there to the masses yes yes money you know runs a lot of things in our lives but it also it's also an opportunity for us to uh not to capitalize i guess but to like you said to get the word out and sometimes if you want the truth you're gonna have to pay for it and i mm. think that's yeah. that's kind of how it is with to the stars as well you know right. you want to be a part of this invest let's invest in the future and the truth that we're seeking mm-hmm. so that's kind of how i look at it yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean as you're someone who is in this industry to make a living i mean to to which and so am i and um, I don't mind. I mean, I, when I put my product out there for free, it's because I want people to take advantage of it. So if people can't afford to buy a T-shirt, if people can't afford to participate and, and give money for it, I don't mind whatsoever uh, as long as they're participating and getting the information. Yes, I, I, I'm exactly the same way. I work under the same the same sort of formula you know all my content whether it's a podcast or articles i write everything's free like i'm not going to charge someone for something like that i want people to get interested to learn if you want extra content that's where i ask help me out help mm-hmm. me out so that i can go out and do that investigation or you know go to detroit michigan and interview a woman and her daughter about having seen a triangular ufo over their house like i want to look these people in the face but i can't take off two weeks from my day job because we all have day jobs uh to go do that without help so yeah again you know we're not we're not pulling the wool over people's eyes and asking them to give us money for no reason we're saying look 
here's our information about UFOs. You can go find your own too if you'd like, but if you want to help us, do it. If you don't, that's fine. Here's a podcast for free. Mm -hmm. So we brought up the Heineck t-shirt, and I I, want to ask you, because you made that design and started selling those t-shirts before the announcement of the Project Blue Book television show, and... uh, it's probably going to hopefully help your sales, but uh, Heineck is a little bit obscure, and so why is it you decided to choose you know that imagery um, as something that you know you're really putting forth? So that image, uh, if, if you go to the the store and look at it, it's it's very very hip, very trendy, very hipsterish, and that's kind of how I always perceived. Heineck, you know, from day one, when he got, you know, when he started working with Project Blue Book, he was kind of the rebel, rebel of the group. They wanted him to debunk all of these cases, find prosaic and conventional explanations for him, and he just couldn't do it to the point where he was frustrated when they would tell him what to tell the public. And that really, that really invigorated me, Alejandro. I, I remember reading Mark O'Connell's recent biography about Heineck, and that's when I really learned a lot about the man and, you know, kind of the pushback he got while he was with these programs and how he constantly, constantly battled back for legitimacy, both for the UFO topic and for what was sort of becoming the UFO community or UFO research community. And, uh, you know, the, the image I always sort of remember is when he was traveling with a couple other uh, investigators to go, I believe it was to the Socorro case to go investigate it as right after it happened, their car breaks down. And what do they do? They just wait there until, you know, hopefully another government issued vehicle comes to pick them up. No, Heineck gets out and he, he, you know, puts his thumb in the air and he tries to hitchhike all the way to Socorro to see what was going on. I mean, that's the dedication this guy had. You know, he wasn't going to just go along with it. He was going to do his own thing, carve his own path and come up with his own conclusions, mm-hmm. which eventually led to QFOS, his own UFO research organization. So I love Heineck. He really has become what some of us younger people in the field are calling our UFO dad. Like he really was there to nurture us and show us, show us the way. And I think that's very important is to take the work of the Heineks and, you know, the, the Freedmans and the, the Robins and all these, these quote unquote old guard and build off of their work, not to ever ignore it, forget it, but to build off of it. And Heineck was definitely that for me. So I thought he deserved his own t-shirt for sure. And (laughs) clearly many other people agreed. Yes. And I totally agree because I, I've, I've always, almost every lecture I do, I figure out how to talk about Heineck because I don't want people to forget and I want them to know that this astronomer who was hired to debunk UFOs and happily did so at the beginning was like, whoa, wow, there's something to this and really became, you know, the dad or the, the grandfather of modern ufology. He started it, you know, way back when. Mm hmm. Exactly. You know, and again, 
there's resistance when things first begin, but he did it and he went along with it until his dying day. So I have nothing but respect for him and many of the other people like him. You know, I'm reading the book about James McDonald right now, which is amazing. You know, these people who are willing to look outside the box, challenge the scientific community and try to find other explanations. I, I, it's fascinating and I love it. I love learning about what came before all of us in this field. That is that's really cool. Yeah. And it's funny. I just thought of talking about that. So some other things to talk about um, when it comes to this field is, um, you know, uh, you and I have both been focusing on the Atom Project. And I know I've seen some social media because I know you interviewed Jason McClellan, of course, who used to work with Open Minds. And I've seen, you know, he seems to be a real advocate, which isn't too much of a surprise because he knows Tom DeLong as well. Um and I think people assume, you know, that I, I'm just going to go along with, you know, what they're doing because uh, of, of my associations with them. But, you know, I, th- I hope people see in my writing, I do question, you know, I don't go along with everything they do. I do question um, some of what they're up to. And so I hope, you know, I, I'm giving honest answers, but there is kind of this negative st- stigma about, uh, you know, oh, these guys are going to collect materials. How can we trust them and all this, this other negativity? Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and what I'm setting up is whatever your response, it, it's safe here, whether you're skeptical or otherwise. But how do you feel about, um, you know, what to the stars is doing, including kind of this new Adam project? Yeah, I mean, the Adam project to me is sort of the first time that I looked at this group and said, wow, okay, so they're actually, they're doing this. They're going full steam ahead, and they are going to look at physical evidence. You know, this is no longer video footage or some photos that were declassified at one point. This is actually them, boots on the ground, going out, recovering objects that are said to possibly be otherworldly or non-terrestrial, and investigate it. Like, put their own money and put that investment money to good use. Uh, so in terms of to the stars in general, I I was hesitant at first. I think everyone was like, what? what like, what is, <laughs> what's going on here? Why is the former frontman of a pop punk band doing this? But like, like you and I know, and Jason knows, he's been interested in this, Tom DeLonge, for, for a while. You know, even on the road touring with Blink-182, he was reading the valet books and, you know, the Friedman books, everything. And you guys even interviewed him at one point. So I knew that the guy definitely knew what he was talking about. But to what extent and what motive there was behind To The Stars, I wasn't quite sure. I will tell you, after those first two videos, I was I was more interested. And now that Adam has started, I'm I'm in. Alejandro, I will I'll be the first to say. Now, I know you had Mr. Cogswell on recently who talked a lot about the science behind this. And while I agree with pretty much everything Chris has said, I, I do have more optimism when it comes to what they're doing with this research project. Uh, do they have the materials yet that I think could be that anomalous? I, I can't tell you, but I think it's very exciting uh, I think it's controversial, you know, put off is at the head of of Earth Tech, which is he's what the vice president of to the stars, if I'm not correct. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I'll look that up real quick while we're talking. 
Yeah, I, I, he's definitely up there, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, with the company. Let me see. I think I have it here. Uh, Vice President of Science and Technology. Mm. There we go. So, I mean, a lot of people are skeptical because Adam is Earth Tech and to the stars is also Earth Tech. So they're working with themselves. <laughs> a lot yeah. of people had issue with that. Like, oh, wow, they're they're announcing that they're working with their own members. Cool. <laughs> but I think what... What maybe wasn't brought up as much with Cogswell and maybe some of the other people who are skeptical about this is the fact that Hal Putoff is – he's also separate from it as well. Whatever EarthTech comes up with is going to be completely separate from the opinions of Tom DeLong or to the stars in general. Uh, this is a separate entity. They are hired to do a job, and it's a straight contract to look at these materials and figure out what they are and possibly where they come from. Now, again, because it's connected to, to the stars, I understand why there's a lot of, a lot of uh, hesitancy to support that. But at the same time, put off spoke to MJ Benias, who I had recently on my show and told him, look, I'm not here to say anything's alien or anything. We were hired to look at these materials, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to come with our results. We're going to get them peer-reviewed, and we're going to bring that to the public. So that's kind of where I stand on it. I'm I'm all in. Um, I look forward to what they, they are doing in general. But uh, at the end of the day, they're looking for answers their way, and we're going to continue to look for answers our way. And I think that's kind of how people have to look at it. Instead of calling people dumb or stupid for following to the stars and that – you know they're they're ringing us all for every penny. Uh, it's not true. It's it's right. simply not true. I haven't put a penny into this thing, and I'm gaining a lot of knowledge out of it of things I never knew about. So that's kind of how I look at it. You make a really great point there at the end. I also have not put a penny into it, but are you kidding? That what we're gaining is huge. I mean the the legitimization of what we do of this entire field. Really, I've seen it in the background somewhat. But, um, for instance, when I met Scott Kelly recently and I got to do an interview with him, and I had told the PR people I was working with that I'm going to ask him about UFOs. And their reaction was very, very positive. They were like, cool, that's going to be a great question. And I was taken aback. You know, I was like, wow, mm-hmm. great. Um, but still, there's one thing to have the PR guys say it's okay or, or or ladies, but uh, to have um, Scott. But I, I felt less nervous. And my friend, a writer with Forbes, she was very supportive as, as well, even though a little nervous because, uh, you know, in media we know it's fairly taboo, this type yeah. of stuff. But it's kind of legitimized us to be okay. And when I asked him, even though, and I, of course, prefaced it with the Pentagon and their project, um, even though uh, he was a little bit, you could tell it was a little bit of a weird topic to him, he understood it was a legitimate question, and he answered it as such. And that is a completely different world than we used to be in, and it's due to at least, well, it's due to two the stars getting Elizondo to participate and then him sharing his, his experience in the Pentagon. I couldn't agree more. The legitimization of this topic within the last year uh it's it has changed the field drastically whether people want to admit that or not and whether they support to the stars or not it has left an imprint on this field and i i think it's great again 
I haven't put a penny into it. And that doesn't matter. It mm-hmm. really doesn't. And I don't want people to think I'm bashing uh, Cogswell, who is a scientist and knows a heck of a lot more than I do about metamaterials. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to other people in the field who say, well, they were involved with Bigelow and they were involved with uh, these other projects that never yielded any results, that's okay with me. Like, at the end of the day, of course they're going to give it another try because these people are passionate about the topic and they're passionate to see what it could bring to you know the technological world to the philosophical world everything mm-hmm. look at the group of people they have involved they're they're yeah. so multifaceted that they all probably have their own reasons for having done this project and that's exciting because at the end of the day you and i are doing the same thing we're in this field for very personal reasons to find our own truth and i think that's what tom DeLong is doing and i think that's what each individual involved with this is doing they're not out just scam us and make money and and you know run off with the circus at the end of the day and leave us all poor and begging it's 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 people who are like who are passionate about this topic and just want to get some sort of answer before they leave this earth in my opinion mm-hmm. now we're about out of time uh to go into the first break already but uh you know to add to that with all of these rumors and everything going on which is frustrating when it comes to rumors because i wish people would seek the facts and the facts are tom DeLong has a lot a lot a lot of money and he doesn't need your money it's not a scam for him to get money but it's it's a it's a um you know it's a it's the company that needs the money to do the research. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the reasons I haven't donated is because as a journalist, and, and you and I shouldn't really, to remain biased so that we're not, you know, over here trying to help out a corporation that we've got an investment in. Um, and that that's the important reason that we shouldn't be involved. But uh, I want to co- talk about when we get back, this whole idea about Bigelow not producing anything, especially when it comes to one of the great things they did produce, which was the Skinwalker Ranch investigation. Mm, so yes. we'll talk about that after the break. You're listening to Open Mind UFO Radio with Alejandro Rojas. I've got Ryan Sprague on. And we will be back after the short break to talk more about the state of ufology. Be right back. To Open Mind UFO Radio, I'm your host Alejandro Rojas, and we are here with Ryan Sprague. Hello, Mr. Sprague. Hello, it's good to be back. So, uh, you know, there is kind of this concept, and you had mentioned it that uh, you to the stars, uh, you know, Earth Tech, Bigelow, uh, they are all together. There's it's a mix. It's almost like to the stars is an evolution of the Bigelow. Uh, uh, projects and research because it's mostly the same people 
<laughs> um, and and this idea, oh, they haven't even produced anything. Well, they did produce a bunch of papers, but besides that, one of the things they produced, which I think is really important, and I think it has been impactful to the, to the world, is the Skinwalker Ranch investigation. Yes, I know this. This sort of came to light, at least to some of us who were privy to this, uh, through Jeremy Corbell's work and the work of George Knapp. Uh, that Bass, you know, Bigelow's project, was a part of this Pentagon program at one time as well, which uh, just blew my mind. You know, here we thought they were looking at military footage of UFOs, <laughs> and in the meantime, they're also looking at all these things that happened on the ranch. Which just astounded me. Like this was no longer just about UFOs in the sky. It was about anomalous and paranormal things happening back here on the ground as well. So it's interesting. This is I, I to the stars. I think we've sort of termed Bigelow 2.0 in some respects. Yeah. Well, one thing you know um, that I also find interesting about all this, and you can speak to this as well, is. I had talked about kind of how the mainstream's adoption of all this and it, how positive it's been. And it's really weird to be in this position where to the stars, uh, Elizondo, uh, you know, who worked with Harry Reid, who got the funding and everything. The media has really responded very positively and all across the board, bipartisan Fox News, Carl Tucker Carlson loves this stuff. I know. And, uh, you know, these CNN is done so much so it's all over the place and and people have opened up but a lot of people in the ufo community and maybe it's like stanton says the negative noisy negativists there's Mm. this outcry of frustration and and anger and i don't get it Mm -hmm. i i i I struggle with this one alejandro because i see both sides of it one part of me is i'm excited about to the stars and everything they're doing the pentagon program coming forward uh these things are very exciting to me and i love it and on the other hand i do see the ufo community being the biggest naysayers to all this and like friedman says too sometimes we're our greatest enemies and where i see that pushback really is I think what it really is, is people are looking at DeLong now as the face of ufology. And I think that's what people were scared of when he first came forward with all this is, uh uh-oh, everything we've done, our research, it's all going to be overshadowed by To the Stars. And maybe, maybe that's the case, but I haven't seen that happen yet. And I think personally, the more journalists, the more scientists that give To the Stars a chance – the more we can all be a part of something like that, the grander scheme of To The Stars, not investors, not members of the committee or the board, but just curious people in the UFO field who want to be involved with something on that at that level. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing it more as people are afraid that everything they've done, all the research that they've done is going to be overshadowed by this one thing. But you are doing your thing. I'm out interviewing individuals, getting their witness testimony, and bringing those forward. That's what I do. That's what I do in the field. That's my contribution, what I like to do, what I love to do. I don't want to dig for months and years looking for 
you know, one buzzword in a document that was declassified 20 years ago. And <laughs> that that's just not me, man. That's not what I do. I don't I don't have the tenacity to do something like that or the diligence, to be honest. Uh, I like to interview witnesses and hear their very human stories. And that's my contribution to it. So that's kind of how I look at it. You know, if, if you're so vehemently against this project, don't follow them. Don't contribute to them. But don't add to that negative view when all the mainstream wants to do right now is take this topic seriously. We should be thankful, in my opinion. We really should be thankful for this. We live in an age now, and I think UFOs are... It's a paradigm shift within the community and outside mm -hmm. the community. UFOs are hot right now, and we have to keep that in mind and grab onto that instead of pushing it away. You know what's really funny, too, is that uh, a lot of the – like you said, and I think it's, it's, a, it's an access and involvement that maybe the UFO community doesn't feel involved, but they can be in, in doing what they already do because I've – for instance, when I've been approached by media people or PR people, they don't know the difference between UFOs and aliens. So they're like, oh, wow, aliens are real. You know, that's how they're taking it. Right. Even there was a Daily Galaxy story not long ago. And the gist of the beginning of the story was now that the Pentagon has done this UFO research to show that they there's really something there. Maybe we are being visited by aliens. And th this fact is as uh, not really freaking people out like we always thought it would happen. And then they went on to talk about the Pentagon Project, the credibility of the great cases, SETI. This is a daily galaxy. This is, a, you know, what astronomers pay attention to and really scientific type of stuff. And they're taking it further than they should because to the stars, or Elizondo has not said they found aliens or, you know, they know what, who's flying these UFOs and stuff. But um, they've it, never once used the word alien. And, but everybody else is interpreting it that way and still right. having a positive view. And so they're much more positive about the whole idea. It is. It's exciting. I mean, when you really think about it, the possibility of life elsewhere in the galaxy or the universe is extremely exciting. And it can be scary, obviously, yes, but the more real I think it becomes when we discover exoplanets or we start reaching further, further out into space and finding these habitable zones, like that's making it more of a reality. And the more closer to reality it is, the more we know and the less we fear it, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. But and and like you said, I think people just need to see how they can take advantage and how which is true. Uh, whatever their perspective is, is, is going to get more attention as this whole field gets more attention. But if you try to tear this whole thing down, of course, looking for the truth is very, very important. So there are people who feel they have evidence of some sort of misinterpretation or misrepresentation. And if that comes out to be true, then that's a problem. That should be exposed and that should be looked at. But... Um, we should certainly embrace the idea of people, more people being interested in what we're doing. Yes, embrace it, but do your homework too. I mean, yeah. if, to, if To The Star screws up, and they have, let's be honest, they've had a few bumps along the way, mm -hmm. like point those out. But don't, don't you know, negate the entire thing just because they, they forgot to blur something out on a, you know, in a, in a video or they, uh, a name was left in here. Are those important issues? Yes. And they... 
they need to be resolved and they need to be acknowledged. But at the end of the day, like we all kind of just have to we have to look at each other's work, check it and then work together instead of just tearing each other down. I know it seems very you know, hippy-dippy peace and love, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It really is. You know, what's funny, too, is is as this stuff has become more popular, people don't really care that uh, as much, you know, um, that I know this person or that person, uh, like Elizondo or something like that. The, pe- the person that they, they get most excited about it, is Giorgio getting back to ancient aliens is that, you know, he's so iconic in that really this whole field is partially, and I'm sure there's a lot of UFO people upset about that too, that he has kind of personified uh, this field a lot as well. Mm -hmm. It's, it's tough, man. Um, Again, I think when we really look at it, we have to look at the whole ancient aliens thing as a pop cultural movement it could, because that is what it has become. You know, maybe in its first, in its infancy, it really was thought provoking. And I'm not saying it's not now in whatever season they're in. I mean, they're ambitious in their claims and their theories, and I, I respect them in in some ways for that. Um, I, I don't want to down, you know, downplay them or talk badly about them. They're again, they're doing their own subtopic within this huge world of UFOs and aliens that we all find ourselves fascinated by so i mean you know we we were in the same room with giorgio or or um you know other members of the show or david duchovny over here like these are celebrities they're part of pop culture but who do they gravitate towards when they're eating their lunch or you know waiting in the green room it's the actual ufo researchers Mm -hmm. because they basically play us on television or, <laughs> you know, in the movies and whatnot. And they, they're curious. They're interested in, in the actual reality behind a lot of this. I, I talked to Mitch Pleggy, played Skinner on the X-Files, had, you know, coffee with him the first morning at, at the Alien Con. And he, he asked me what I did. I told him I'm a UFO researcher. I, I interview people. I go out and investigate. He said, see, that's cool. He's like, you know, <laughs> I just do this on TV, but you guys are actually out there doing this. He said, that's <laughs> so, so cool. So to have someone like Agent Skinner tell me that, uh, someone I grew up on watching on television and aspired to be, it's like it comes full circle. It really does. And I, I think, again, we have to grab that pop culture aspect and, uh, and get what we can out of that as well. That is so cool. That reminds me, and and I, I'm pretty sure you took this picture, right, that has now become famous <laughs> of Giorgio Tsoukalos with David Duchovny. Yes, that was that was a moment I will never forget, being in that room when that happened. Um, never, never in my life did I think I would see those two together, nonetheless taking a photo together. So, yeah, yeah, that, that was a moment that will be etched into my memory uh, now permanently since it's all over the Internet. But a, a moment I'll never forget. Again, AlienCon was so much fun. And if you look at it that way, like just having a good time, Awesome. If you're looking at it as a straight-up UFO event where everyone's serious, you are going to be sorely disappointed. But although, that did not take away from it. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, although a lot of those people were, you know, they were thirsty for 
legitimate information. I mean, they loved what we had to share with them. So, Oh, totally. Our panels were packed. And, dude, I sold a lot of books in the first, like, few hours of the event. And we, again, not... It was it was amazing. Yeah, we decided to, and it was kind of last minute to make a bunch more T-shirts and then fill up a truck and take it out there because uh, we heard how many people might be there. We sold everything. It was insane. We were just so busy selling, selling, selling. Yep. And again, I I don't want people to to sort of misconstrue what we're saying. It's not like oh we're rich and everything. <laughs> yeah. No. We we travel to these events. We pay for tables and stuff like yeah. that. Like these are things people don't understand. We're just yeah, trying to make our money a lot back. Of money. And, and you're right. These are consumers of knowledge. You know why they might have been there to see if aliens built the pyramids. Don't get me started on that. Um, <laughs> they're also there to learn about the topic. And the fact that they stopped and asked me about my book and then bought mm-hmm. it without having any idea who I was or what I was doing there. Uh, was amazing and that was all the validation i needed that this topic is in good hands both on the consumer side and the producing side of of the information so mm-hmm. i'll look at i want to ask a little bit more about this picture too because this picture is probably going to be more famous than will ever be and go on in history who knows <laughs> it may show up in history books or something because it's, it's just gotten so huge but so how did how did it come about? Was it your phone that you used or, or was it Giorgio's or, or how did that come about? It was one of the talent coordinators in the room. They mm. actually left me with their with their phone and they were like, if you get a chance, could you see if these two like they were talking back and mm-hmm. forth with each, each other and like, just get a photo. So I, I like kind of crept up and guys, can I take a photo? And they, <laughs> you know, they sort of stopped mid sentence and. Duke Coveney was like, what, what should we do? <laughs> and that's what they came up with. So, you know, while it's not on my personal device, um, I can say that the button was pushed by my finger and I was in the room when it happened. So That's awesome. But you're right. It will outlive all of us. And it has become <laughs> a meme at this point. It so. has. That's all we could ask for. <laughs> I've seen it all over the place. I can't remember what news outlet. And I was so bummed that you weren't mentioned in it. And I'm sure they had no idea who took the picture. But, uh, yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, that's so awesome that you could have been there for that. And how smart it was of that, you know, talent coordinator. Oh, they know what they're doing for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was super smart to get that picture. Yeah. So with Ancient Aliens... Um, what I, I guess I didn't realize, and what's kind of curious is, it brings up this topic, and I think that our listeners, your listeners, and my listeners are a big part of this, and it is kind of these silent communities, and it's almost like the internet has bred this, where you never know how large these communities uh, of people are. So, for instance. I feel, and you know, when you and I do this and, and others uh, of the ilk, there are a lot of people like us. Like, that's what's been wonderful about doing mm-hmm. stuff lately is there's a lot of people who want credible information. And it's kind of like this silent, large community out there. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I can't tell you. Okay, so I work at a Sasquatch-themed coffee shop here Oh, in Los yeah, Angeles. that's so cool. 
Yes, totally by chance. I didn't plan it. It's, it was the first job to hire me when I made the big trek out here out west. But that being said, every day, Alejandro, I people come in and, uh, you know, they ask about Sasquatch or they ask about this. And <laughs> they find out that I'm a UFO researcher. And I'm not kidding you. At least a, one person per day is like, oh, I've always wondered about that. Or, oh, I, I like... I look at that stuff all the time online. I just never knew like other people were interested. And you're right. It sort of sits stagnant on the internet um, behind these avatars we create online and talk to one another. And then you, when you meet these people in real life, you're like, oh my God, this is real. Like more people than we ever thought are interested in these topics. And mm-hmm. that's really, really inspiring to me. The field is much larger than... We get it credit for, for sure. I don't think anybody would have realized, you know, all the people that showed up in AlienCon, as we know, just for pictures uh, and and autographs. The lines went out the building and down the street. Hours. People were waiting hours for those. And again, like, you can't ask for more than that. They were that excited to meet their heroes, whether it's Duchovny or Sukulos, anyone, you know, Childress, what have you. Uh, they they love this stuff, and again, we might sound like we're you know we're 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 cheering them on, but we're also very uh, what's the word? We're 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 tough when it comes to this stuff as well. I have my personal opinions about the ancient alien theories, but mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, yes, it's more people getting interested in these topics that we can then give them our information to. So it's cyclical, and I, I think it's great. I really do. At the end of, the end of the day, I think it's great. Well, I want to leave enough time. I added a couple more questions, but you know what? I, I want to leave enough time to make sure we plug everything that you want to talk to. And I have enough time to thank you for coming on the show because this has been so much fun. I knew it would be and an inspirational. And uh, it's just cool to talk to someone who, you know, is kind of doing the same thing and, and inspire each other. But um, I do want to make sure, like, you've got your podcast, you have your Patreon, what other you've got? I guess the website. Plug away. <laughs> well, thanks, man. It's always a pleasure when you ask me to come on. I I didn't know what we we're going to talk about, but I knew we would find things to talk about. And if I blab, it's because I'm excited and I'm passionate. <laughs> so no, you can great. find all my blabbing and everything at somewhereintheskies.com. I do have the podcast. I do weekly. Uh, if you want bonus episodes, one-on-one Skype sessions with me to just talk about stuff we talked about today. Um, and all that good stuff, you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Other than that, I am working on a new book right now, a follow-up to my my first book. So expect that sometime, hopefully in 2019. Um, I'm very excited about that. It's a topic that's refreshing and that I don't think's necessarily been covered in the field yet. So I will be giving updates and progress on that on the podcast and, again, at the website someoneintheskies.com and then you're going to be at AlienCon in Baltimore in November they're doing it again yes I am I was invited back for Baltimore my my personal east coast as it were uh, I'll be joined by Jason McClellan we're going to be doing some panels and representing Rogue Planet somewhere in the skies and a little bit of open minds as well so awesome. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that and I think seeing you as well am I correct yeah, we're going to have a table there. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're mostly certain we'll have a table there. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you then in November. Yes, very soon. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Thank you so much, Alejandro. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much to Ryan Sprock for joining us on the show. He was awesome. So Ryan is one of the people. He's kind of the main dude, actually, because I saw him doing this, inspiring me to get on this Patreon, which is kind of like what he said, what the hip kids are doing. Just like uh, if, if Heineck was around, that's what he would be doing. He'd be on Patreon. But uh, I'll talk to you more about Patreon. But if you want to help out Ryan, which I hope you do, go follow him. Become a patron uh, of his Patreon like I have and or go buy one of those uh, Heineck t-shirts like I have. I actually literally just bought one. So really cool. Thanks, Ryan. I'm going to tell you about my Patreon also in just a second. But first, I want to give you some news, uh, especially about the UFO Congress YouTube page. So the UFO Congress has its own YouTube page. Um, Some of you know that's where the Elizondo video uh, is housed, the interview that we got for that. But we're trying to get this up and ramped, and we need a thousand subscribers. So once we get to a thousand, and we're pretty close, there's we're going to give out a free T-shirt to a YouTube subscriber. So if you haven't subscribed to the UFO Congress YouTube page, go do that now. And in order to help out, we're putting some really cool stuff up there for free. So Karen, who owns the Congress now, also ran Travis Walton's last anniversary event uh, just a couple of years ago, and there were some rare. Uh, occurrences that happened there. One of them was at Tracy Torme, the producer and the writer of the movie Fire in the Sky about Travis Walton was there and he did a talk. That talk is now posted up on the UFO Congress YouTube page. So very rare to hear him talk. If you want to know, hey man, why did the middle of the movie not go the way that Travis said it went? You know, you can find out because he answers those questions. So go check that out. Check out that video. Really, really cool stuff and subscribe to the page. Patreon. Speaking of YouTube, one of the things that I'm doing is a thing called UFOs Seriously. And it's a live thing that I do on Thursday at 6 p.m. where I give UFO news for the week. And I also answer people's questions. So um, people are on there. You know, you can chat and stuff. Well, uh, you can see everything I'm doing, including links to this, on my Patreon page. Of course, you can find it at openminds.tv as well. But on my Patreon page, I've got everything that I'm doing on all the different outlets. So, for instance, you can see some interviews here that I have with some uh, actors from Mars, the television show. Really cool stuff. And the showrunner, all of whom are awesome. So, with the actors, Jeff Hefner and Jihei. Jihei's cool. She's going to be in the next Peter Jackson movie which is going to be huge. She's going to be a gigantic star, and I can say I knew her. She's really awesome. I love I love her to death. But Jeff is really cool, too. But um, also, Dee Johnson, she's a showrunner of the show. She was also the showrunner of ER. I got to get a sneak peek of the second season, so I've seen it. It is really, really good. It launches like in a couple months. But uh, we talk about some of what you're going to see in the second season of Mars on those videos for Den of Geek, uh, as well as other articles that I have up there. And if you become a Patreon subscriber, you'll get sneak peeks to stuff that I haven't posted yet. So, for example, in Roswell, I was at the Stanton Friedman's last panel. So the very last panel in Roswell had some Roswell researchers, and the last question was to Stanton, you know, to share some words of wisdom, and he did, and then after that, he got a standing ovation, uh, and he shared some more information. I recorded that, and I have it up on Patreon. You have to be a Patreon patron 
which costs you as much as a whole dollar a month to be able to see that. So it's very cheap. It's affordable. And um, then you're going to see those videos. Uh, honestly, I'll probably release them at some point in the future. But if you want to see them right now, go check them out on Patreon and then follow that because I'll put lots of other stuff that I'm doing on there. So that's Patreon. Check that out. And of course, check out UFOs Live on the Open Minds uh, YouTube page. And you can see all this at openminds.com. TV. Otherwise, follow me on social media for more and for more of all of this. And I will be at the Devil's Tower UFO Rendezvous next month in September 13th, 14th, and 15th with lots of our good friends. And I think we're talking about with that Lee Spiegel, Mark D'Antonio, Karen Bard is going to be doing a talk. Uh, David Marler, Chris O'Brien, and, and uh, Richard Beckwith. Uh, hopefully I'm not forgetting anybody, but hopefully you can make it. It's, it's a really fun event. Other than that, I want to thank Caleb Hanks for the opening and close music. Oh, yes, his brother, Micah Hanks, will be there at the conference with us. Um, I also want to thank Systematics for the bumper music. And, of course, I want to thank Martin for... Uh, uh, joining us with the news, Martin of Podcast UFO. Check him out. And I want to thank you, the listener. Thank you so much for being here. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, adios, muchachos.